stress, anxiety, and depression are skyrocketing among children and teens. And Cook Children's Healthcare System is on a mission to bring these topics into the light. I'm Winnie King. And I'm Dr. Kristen Perch. If you have kiddos in the room, now is the time to put on those headphones. Some of the topics we'll be discussing will not be suited for young ears. This is Raising Joy. Hello, hello. Thank you, everyone, for joining us again on Raising Joy. I am Winnie King, and I'm here with my vivacious, (laughs) intelligent, incredible co-host, Dr. Kristen Perch. There you go. There you go. And here we are. I know. Winnie, I think I'm just going to come back so you actually... I can say all the good things about you. (laughs) I'm going to like just record that on my phone and then play it every morning to like remind myself that it's okay. It is. You are okay. You are vivacious. You are (laughs) sassy. You are intelligent. You are kind. You are good. (laughs) You are all of that. I love it. (laughs) Well, you know what? This is the beginning of a new school year. And I know that because I live in Mansfield, Texas. Texas. And Mansfield has probably per capita the most schools of any city in Texas. You can't go down a street. I know. You cannot go down a street that there is not a school. And if you hit it around that three o'clock, four o'clock hour, you just be patient. I know it. Yes. They're everywhere. But because of that, we know that these poor, precious babies are going to school and they are anxious. They are anxious, but their mamas are overjoyed. Baby, I'm lifting a glass. <laughs> I'm lifting a glass. <laughs> they are ready for the structure and are so grateful for our teachers. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, love them. The end of the summer, like we're parents are never going to be more grateful for teachers mm-hmm. educating their kiddos and dealing with all their craziness. Yeah, but it does cause anxiety. It does. That's crazy. It does. It makes a lot of kids really anxious. So today we have my dear friend and colleague, Miss Laura Ann Burgos. She is a social worker and a clinical therapist in the Department of Gastroenterology at Cook Children's. Welcome to Raising Joy. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Oh, good. We're happy to have you. Well, let's talk a little bit about this being, of course, the new school year. What is it that makes the children so, so anxious? What triggers that in them? Why? Well, I think there's a lot of different things that kind of occur. Um, the first thing is that it's a huge change, right? They're going from an unstructured summer, as much as you guys were talking about it earlier, if mamas want to try to make it structured, have all that fun stuff going on, they don't necessarily have all of the, we're waking up every day. We have first period, second period. So they have that huge change as far as needing to kind of get into that structure. Mm -hmm. Um, Another part is change is just scary in general. And so um, having to kind of refocus that, I think a lot of times too, we're seeing our kiddos, they're putting a lot of pressure on themselves Mm -hmm. to be able to perform, Mm -hmm. whether it be performed by making a lot of friends, being the social butterfly or having all of those perfect A grades. So there's just a lot of factors that kind of bring along that anxiety with starting a new school year. You know, it's almost like we have a love-hate relationship with school. You know, you love it and it's exciting because you get to go and you get to see and be around. But then you're like, oh, 
I get to go and be around and see. And, and, I don't know how this, and I don't and I don't have control over everything. I don't have control over what my friends say about me or how they feel about me. I don't have control over how my teachers are going to treat me. I, I'm just, you know, there's a lot out there. But by the same token, when we were in the pandemic and we stayed home, everybody was anxious about that. I don't want to stay home. I, I want to go. I want to be there. Now you're there. You're anxious. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Grass is always greener on the other side. It is. Which is it going to be? Yes. Well, what are some of the what are some of the symptoms? Because if I have a a, a school age child that's going to school and and it's the new school year, we bought all the clothes, we got the backpack packed, everything is going, we're getting lunch. What are some of the symptoms of that anxiety that I might see in in my child? I always like to kind of separate it into kind of two different anxiety symptoms. The first one is going to be kind of just like the extra fidgeting, moving around, um, more increase as far as like worries, decreased self-esteem. Um, but kiddos really exhibit their emotions in different ways too. So it can be short tempers, anger outbursts, Mm. anxiety can manifest in really a lot of different ways. Mm. We also are seeing a lot of physical symptoms as well. So we're seeing a lot of the Headaches, stomach aches, um, needing to go to the bathroom multiple times, um, vomiting, nausea, all of that stuff. And then that can ultimately lead into kind of changes into eating and sleeping patterns too. Mm. Absolutely. And and I think, Lauren, you did a great job of like highlighting that mind-body connection. I think for a long time, you know, there was this, we thought of that there was a big separation between like, you know, medical, like body health and mental health. But really obviously we're all one big organism. So there's no way that it's separated. And actually, you know, so our medicines that treat anxiety work by like indirectly increasing your serotonin. Well, guess what? You have more serotonin receptors in your gut than you do in your brain. So it makes absolute sense that a lot of times a kid's first presentation for anxiety is stomach aches at the primary care doctor. Like we have a stomach ache every day. Um, And something, you know, and, and so from like, as a physician, you want to know, well, let's make sure we're not missing something, right? Like, let's make sure that it's not, um, you know, like a medical cause that right, could be causing right. them, you know, to have those stomach aches. But a lot of times, like after that workup is done, it turns out to be anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I know that you work in the gastroenterology department. So that's GI and it's all of the, um, you know, cuts and butts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. yes. I love that. <laughs> that one. Um, and so I'm sure you see a ton of this Yes, as a clinical therapist. Uh-huh. I definitely, um, am anticipating a huge in increase in my volume and caseload, um, uh, with this upcoming school year, because that's just the, the nature of the beast. Well, mm-hmm. no. I know I get, I get headaches. If I get you know, really stressed, the neck gets tight, Mm -hmm. the headache comes, now I'm nauseous, you know? Yeah. So I I get that. I really do. I have never really had a problem with with my stomach, but I could see where kids would be just like, oh, this is not good. A a telltale sign can be if their stomach hurts like just before school, but is okay on the weekends. Oh, yes. In that pattern. So every time it's before like a triggering event. So school. Right. Or it could be, I had a patient tell me that they threw up in uh, like PE, like PE fo- or Wee football, sorry, um, like before every game, like they threw up 
before like every football game whenever they were like in elementary school. Oh my god! And I didn't see him until he was a teenager. Oh my god! I know, and I, it just made me sad to think yeah. about this anxious kiddo. Oh my you know. gosh! So yeah, we've gone that long too, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, to, to be honest, I've seen people on the sidelines. I've seen grown men on the sidelines. Yeah. Right. You know, of, of football games who are doing stuff like that. So it, it's probably been going on for a long time. For right. sure, no doubt. Yeah. And we know you're a clinical therapist. And so for people outside of Cook, what that means is that um, they like, so we have uh, licensed clinical social workers and psychologists who see kiddos that have medical concerns like, and Lauren can definitely tell me this much better because this is her job. So yeah, (laughs) what exactly is a clinical therapist and like, what do you do and how does that help with anxiety? Yeah. So um, I, like you said earlier, I specify um, with the gastroenterology world. So I get the really, the honor really um, to be able to work with kids in an outpatient setting. So I'm able to see them kind of weekly, biweekly basis, working on what are we doing kind of from the mental health perspective to, to normalize and to, to stabilize kind of those GI symptoms, whether it be vomiting, nausea, things like that. Um, And then I also get to meet with them inpatient as well. So it's really cool that I get both of those aspects because, you know, being hospitalized is a huge stressor Mm. as well. Um, So I get to really go with them throughout their journey when they're inpatient, but then also an outpatient as well. When they're outpatient, are they referred? Are they referred to you? By by, the GI doctors mm -hmm. that I work with. Uh Mm -hmm. So we have, I think, I can't even close to 20 clinical therapist at this point. I, the number keeps growing. Which is um, great. Yes. They support and more and so more departments. needed. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, so we have like three in our endocrine, which is the diabetes clinic, and then in our um, cancer setting and all of those really great um, different just departments. And they're all able to go and meet with the kiddos in those specific departments. And so each provider or doctor sends in those referrals to their clinical therapist. Do you think... Um, and this is, I mean, I know the answer to this. Do you think that um, addressing that anxiety and those mental health components helps their physical symptoms? Oh, 100%. Yeah, tell us yeah, about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the more that we can kind of normalize a kiddo's reaction and provide the education, I feel like that's half the battle some of the times. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't much education on the mind-body connection. So being able to kind of help them understand what's happening to their bodies is really empowering for them. They're able to really take control of the situation. I know, Winnie, you you mentioned control earlier, mm-hmm. um, but it helps give them back some of that power and be able to kind of implement things that are going to be helpful for them and help them in the long-term basis. Yeah, focus on what you can control. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know I could understand that some parents would be a little hesitant maybe to see clinical therapy because they feel like um, maybe like the doc thinks it's all in their head. And, and they're convinced and then, but the parents are convinced that there's something that medical that they're missing. So could both of those things be true at the same time or yeah. What do you think oh, about yeah, that? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that's what I try to really work on with parents and kiddos at the same time is letting them know, like we can both have a physical symptom and there's also a mental health component. It's about addressing everything as a team. So I'm not going to be their primary provider. They're going to be on a teammate with their doctor, with their nurses. I'm just going to be a component of treating the kiddo and what they're there for. And help optimize like all of, all of their treatment. All of it. Yes, because exactly. Because it, it takes all of that mm-hmm. to be able to help a kid get better faster. And, and we know like anxiety and depression, 
I mean, it worsens pain. It worsens like practically mm, every mm, physical mm, symptom. Mm, yes. And so, you know, just being able to have help with that, I think just helps so much. It helps a kid function. And I also, I, had, I don't know the studies in GI, but I have a feeling it decreases the amount of medicine that kids need, like the, the number of like pain meds and things like that. If they're able to learn those techniques and things like that to help like control their anxiety um, so it doesn't make like the feeling of pain worse and like those sorts of things. Definitely. And I think a lot of my kiddos that I work with, they don't want more medications. And I think that they get worried <laughs> that I'm another person that's going to give them another medication. When in reality, I'm hoping that we can implement these different skills and techniques to be able to prevent that and, and hopefully lessen some of those medications. That's awesome. Well, what can parents do to support their children who may be struggling uh, with that new school year and they're having a hard time and they're they're really creating this whirling of issue? Right. I think the first thing that they can do is talk about it with their kids. Mm. You know, I think it's really important to have that open communication. I think it's also important to normalize. Hey, it is hard, right? We have this change that's coming up. It is going to be difficult. But then also. I think kids pick up on so much, right? Mm -hmm. So if they're able to see that their parents are using positive coping techniques, they're able to use that as well. So mm -hmm. being more active and like pointing out when they're able to use a different kind of coping technique, I think is always really helpful for mm -hmm. the kid and the family too. Yeah. Especially if you approach this with, you know, this is really an exciting time. You get mm -hmm. to do X, Y, and Z and wow, look how you've grown and you've come from this and that. And, you know, just trying to be really positive and upbeat about it right. and very encouraging, but still, you know, talking about it and saying, I understand that there's a, mm -hmm. you know, that you may have a little issue about this or you may have a lot of issue. with Right. That. Okay. But this is still a really, really good time. And I have your back. So, Let's let's see if we can work through this. Yes, especially if this kiddo is returning to school. This isn't their first year of school. Reminding them, hey, remember last year? Like, it was great. Or if it wasn't great, like, we worked on it together and we got through it. Right? Mm -hmm. We're here today. And this so, is a new start. Exactly. Let's do something fresh new. Start. Yeah, this is a fresh start. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's good. But I agree with you. Having honest conversations, open conversations is important. And um, when you're talking about kind of modeling coping skills, you know, for like a 10 year old kid, it may look something like like I may would say like um, like there was this time at work today that I was super overwhelmed. And, um, you know, what really helped me was like scrolling through my phone and looking at pictures or, or thinking about my dog or like something and, and just right. kind of talking through it in that way. And kind of make it like, this is how I help myself. And like you were saying, like exactly. talking about these things out loud. Now, if you do that to a 15 year old, they're going to look at you like you've grown another head. <laughs> mm -hmm. So don't do that. Right. Um, but, right. Agreed. <laughs> so it may take a little bit of a different conversation, right? Like, yeah, I was really, you know, it would be just more like down to earth. Like, yeah, I was, right. I was super stressed at work today, but you know what? Like I was able to um, grab lunch with my friend and we talked about it and I feel a lot better. And so I was really glad I was able to do that. And I think kind of having, like you're saying, like modeling, mm -hmm. but it looks yeah. different. At, uh, depending on their age, mm -hmm. yeah. 100%. And I think you also need to take that into account as far as like what you're sharing with them. So you're not going to share with your kiddo, hey, I'm having a lot of financial issues and I don't know if we can pay the rent today. You know, yeah. obviously we don't want to do that, but kind of sharing kind of minute things like, oh, I really wanted to make sure I got dinner on the stove before five o'clock and I'm not going to be able to meet that. I want to, you know, make sure to take some deep breaths and then be able to keep moving on, right? Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Don't give your kids information that they don't have any, that there's nothing that they can do about. Right. Right. That'll add to their stress. Right. And they don't know, they don't Mm -hmm. understand the context. So it does not help them to tell them about financial difficulties or anything that they can't control. Like, right. Or fights with mom or dad, you know, all of that stuff. Not a good example. But also, you know, helping them understand that they need to give themselves grace. And I give myself Mm -hmm. some grace. Mm -hmm. Give yourself some grace. You don't have to be perfect at this. And just like you were saying, you know, I'm I'm trying to get dinner on the stove by five o'clock. Well, guess what? I'm not going to make it. It's going to be 630. Oh, well, the earth still spins. The the sun still shines. (laughs) Everything is okay. Um, But give yourself some grace. It's okay. We can be, we'll be fine. Nobody's going to fall over and die behind this, but I want you to do the very best you can. That's all you, that's all you can do. That's it. My daughter's elementary school has, um, kind of a whole like framework or their thinking is about growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And so they talk about making mistakes as like opportunities to grow. Yes. Isn't that incredible? Uh, Yes. I walked in to new parent orientation and saw this stuff on the wall and I was like, I am in the right spot. Like (laughs) I am so glad that they, and and that's what we tell my daughter. Like she, she wants to be the best she can. And we're like, listen, if you're making mistakes, that means you tried something new Mm -hmm. and that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Like keep trying. Mm -hmm. Like you do, like there's perfection is a myth. Yeah. Like it does not exist in human form. Like, and I tell my son, I don't like to waste, um, a failure. Uh, if I, if there's okay. a failure, right. I don't want to waste it. it. Yeah. I want to learn from it and I'm going to do something different, but don't waste it. Don't waste the failure by sitting here, you know, you know, just poor mouthed about it. No, no, no. And he does that. He, he's oh, like, no. Uh, no, look at the, look what happened. Let's walk through it and let's try to learn from that. And then we go on to the next thing. That to me is not a waste that that's an mm-hmm. opportunity. Agreed. And I think these kids, at least a lot that I've worked with recently is like so much self pressure Yes, that it's really hard to get past it to like have that great learning experience from it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that anytime we're able to take an experience, whether it be a failure or a success mm-hmm. um, and show them like, Hey, we are able to take this on to the next time. I think is a really great experience for them to be able to learn from it. Mm-hmm. And of course I, I, I attribute all of that anxiety to social media. Of course I do because they go on and they see these people who are living these perfect lives and they're not really. Yeah. What they think is perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They're not really. Let me show you something, you know, right. let, let me show you who is not perfect on here. Uh-huh. It's not happening. You're it's like, there's happening. the filter. Yeah, there's yeah, the, exactly. this and this. But they don't, but the, the teenagers don't know, Mm-mm. right? They like they Mm-mm. don't, they don't know. Sometimes it, it's hard for me to know. Okay. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I have to ask my husband. I'm like, this doesn't look real. And he's like, girl, no. <laughs> and you don't know how many times it took them to shoot that video right. for it to get right. You know, because mm-hmm. right, that's a hundred times you had to shoot that thing to make it look like it was supposed to be great. So exactly. don't, yeah, let's don't do that. Are you looking at, are you looking at a, a certain group, uh, an age group that seems more apt for this or is, is it just across the spectrum? Um, it's been interesting with COVID, you know, um, I think that everyone really struggled going back into in-person school, mm-hmm. um, just because they were starting to finally get used to virtual and then they were doing the back and forth. They were having school, then they were out of school all these different things. So I'm really seeing it kind of across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's more anxiety for those first time kiddos. Really? That are, yeah. Because they're even more at home with mm-hmm. COVID, right? They've never really had too many experiences like being out, like doing pre-K, all that yeah. stuff beforehand. So I'm, I'm noticing 
less coping ability and just more anxiety with that. I could definitely see that. And, and I would say in my practice, I, you know, I see a lot of anxious kiddos and it really does run the gamut. Like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes like you'll have a seven year old that comes in and I mean, they're just anxious friends and, and you just feel so bad for them because yeah. you know that it's just so hard right. for them mm-hmm. and, and they're, they're shy and they're quiet and they're to themselves and, and things like that. I will say I have a patient that came to me as a seven year old and was able like Um, through treatment, able to come off of medications and he did therapy for a long time and he had a ton of social anxiety. So school was very anxiety provoking for him. And so he was homeschooled and then did COVID. And then with COVID, um, he was at home and then he was, has been able to like go back to school Mm. in person and yeah. And he had like, he's just killing it. And so it's (laughs) really, it makes me very happy, but I, you know, this is a kiddo that did a lot of work through therapy, like with a therapist at cook. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, like he, it's, I don't know, it's just really, it's very rewarding to see a kid who was so shy, come out of their shell, figure out who they are and to make friends and to have confidence. Like it's the most rewarding thing in the whole world. Oh, that's good to see. That's good to hear. Um, so I don't know. We, um, think that, all of this stuff is just because of anxiety and I really want them to be excited. I, you know, <laughs> I, I really do. I, I, my, I had a great niece who um, was going into kindergarten and it was, you know, every day we, you know, my sister and different ones would talk to her about how exciting it's going to be to be at school and you're going to be with other friends and, you know, just trying to make her feel confident about it. But then there are a couple of things that happened at school and then mom got anxious and mom got nervous. And and then now, you know, it turns on the kid and, you know, and this poor baby is like feeling what mama's feeling. Right. Because the parents see, I mean, the kids see everything the parents do. Yes. Everything. Mm -hmm. Whether you realize it or not. Yes. They're taking it all in and they're interpreting it. However, their little minds want to interpret it. Yes. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. There's a book. If you have a young kid who like a kindergartner who's nervous about going to school or like being away from mom for the, or, or dad for the first time, the invisible, str- sorry, the invisible string is a really good book. And it talks huh. about how you're kind of like, you're always connected to your oh. like parental figure, mm-hmm. um, even when you can't see them. Yeah. And so it's super helpful. I think that could be and a good there's one. There's a lot of other really good techniques that you can use too. Like, um, I know that I've done some therapeutic activities where you and your um, bracelet together. Oh. So it's kind of that um, physical reminder, reminder mm-hmm. right, of, okay, they're going to be okay. Um, some kiddos that I have um, worked with that have really severe um, attachment issues, um, they, I've had them do a necklace with the home key on it. And it doesn't really have to be the home key. You can just get, you can get just a normal key if you want to. Um, but it just gives them an extra peace of mind. Like I'm not going to be left or they're going to come back for me. Right. right? Um, obviously those thoughts are completely irrational. You're going to yeah. pick up your kiddo. Um, but it's some of those symbolisms that really helps connect kiddos and be able to kind of push through that anxiety. This week, my three-year-old said the sweetest thing. And I think that they had read The Invisible String at her pre-K. <laughs> okay. So um, I was driving to pick up my older daughter and she said, Mom, do you know that whenever I can't see you, um, we're connected together anyway? And I mean, just out of nowhere, she wow. says this. And I was like, stop me in my tracks. And then she says, sometimes whenever I feel sad 
insert mom guilt, broken heart. <laughs> I, <laughs> she said, I put my hand over my heart and I know that you're there. Oh, stop me. It stopped me. Come here, honey bunny. Give I me know. a hug. It's like a commercial. <laughs> Is it the not? Perfect, uh, it's insane. Or something. I know. Yeah. But, but I think it's the work of her teachers, right? Yeah. Like they are like, they're really investing in her and like they see where she is. And I'm sure she has some anxiety about being away from mom. So and I think anyway. it's important to be proactive and kind of communicate with teachers and the school yes. counselor early on, the better. Obviously, no one wants to be the nagging mom mm -hmm. who's always constantly like blowing up their teacher's phones, but kind of letting them know like, hey, I have concerns about some anxiety and separating issues, right? Yeah. Will you just keep me informed and in the loop depending on like how my kiddo does during the day and how separation goes? I think that that's a fantastic outlet that a lot of people should use. And, and I'll say in my practice, sometimes I see like anxiety gets so bad that kids don't want to go to school mm -hmm. and they start like missing school and they avoid it. And it can be for a number of things. Most of the time, if it's that, it tends to be social. Like they're worried about like being bullied and things like that. So if you see your kid like not wanting to go to school, you, you may, I would definitely try to figure out why. And then I would, at that point, I would reach out to the counselor, hopefully before it gets to that point, reach out to your counselor. But right. um, if you kind of see it going down that path, definitely reach yeah. out because there's tons of things that they can do for anxiety if it's limiting their school experience. Right. Like, I mean, there's all kinds of accommodations that can be provided and and each school can kind of talk about like what works best in their setting. But it's but definitely school counselors, that's what they're there. Therefore, they want to support your kid being successful. So don't be afraid to send them the email. Yeah, you guys are a team. It's not one versus the other. Yeah. So. I think that's a great avenue. Well, here's a question for both of you. How do you know when a child needs professional help and even medication for their anxiety? I think when you're noticing that your kiddo has really prolonged distress, they're not able to cope even with interventions, right? Like trying to normalize what they're going through, um, talking to them about what's going on, going through, like, let's solve this problem. Um, I think another really important thing is separation anxiety. If that's not getting better, you're having a plan in every single day. It is really difficult. Mm -hmm. That's going to be a really big one to, to start working with a professional. Mm -hmm. Early. I agree. Yes. Because those patterns can get ingrained. ingrained. And then the parent, they want to help, right? Like they know mm -hmm. that it's incredibly distressing to be away from the kiddo. They love their kid. They don't want to cause them that distress. And so they're like, well we can't go on date night because it makes our kid really distressed. Right. But in some ways that kind of reinforces the pattern and doesn't mm -hmm. give them any practice and being away from their parents. Mm. And I'm not saying ship off your five-year-old <laughs> right. to camp and wish them good luck. Okay. For, for three weeks. Yeah. Right. Not saying that. What I'm, But that would be. But you find yourself in those unhealthy patterns because you're trying to help them, but ultimately it could hurt them and backfire for sure. Right. And so if you have those questions like, hmm, is this getting better or not? Am right. I doing things that reinforce it? Get a professional. They'll help you. Yep. Like they're great. Psychologists are fantastic. So I know a lot of times I get emails from clinical therapists who have been doing counseling with a kiddo. Like how do you guys decide maybe it's time for medicine? I think, you know, obviously it's kind of dependent on each kiddo. Um, but I really, when we are working on different things, the kid's able to process through things when they're able to identify good coping techniques, but they're not able to implement them, mm. right? And so that is kind of the really big kicker. Um, they're putting in the effort. They're trying really, really hard, but they're not able to do that follow through. 
that's kind of a huge red flag for me. Um, and then again, just a lack of consistency with progress too can be one of those, you know, even just to get feedback. Um, so those are, I would think, one of my top twos for, for talking to parents about that. That's really funny because it's the same thing for me, but like it's, but I agree with you. So sometimes people like depending on their preference may start with psychiatry or may start with psychology or a therapist. And, you know, like a lot of times they've been in therapy for a really long time. And like you're saying, they know they can tell you every single coping skill there is, but whenever it's time to go to school, their, their anxiety's at a 10 and they can't, you cannot access it because you cannot think clearly. I'll shut down. Yeah. Like you are like yeah. you're beyond your capacity. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times um, if you've tried to use, if you try to learn those therapy techniques and it's just not really helping after a, a pretty good amount of time and a lot of consistency, if it's not getting better, then I agree. Like it may be time to talk about medicine and the whole goal is just to make, just to contain the anxiety, like bring it down from like a 10 to like a seven maybe right? so that they can. That therapeutic get, level so that they can get stuff going. They're mm-hmm. actually using what you're practicing in therapy or counseling. Right. Go. And because we can't take away the stressor and we're not going right. to take away the anxiety. Like you need, you need a little bit of distress to be able to use those skills because mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, like it's, I don't know, it's not really going to help, but I agree. Yeah. So yes, lots of partnership. Mm. Partnership. That's a, that's a good <laughs> word with, you know, and with parents, partnering with parents. And I know that parents want to be good advocates of their children, but don't they sometimes cross the line and it is really difficult to work with some of them. I know I'm fit. I know the curtain, we're going to throw back the curtain here a little bit, but you know, there's a line, there is a there line is. of being a good advocate for your child right. and being momzilla, you know, it, it, then nothing gets really done well. And with working with kids, I think it's important to to take the big picture into account. So looking at the family, what are family dynamics? Mm. What are we modeling? Mm. And I mean, I have that conversation with parents all the time. How are we managing our own stress and anxiety, right? Mm. And figuring out like, is this hurting or helping our, our kids' situation? What can we do to to make sure that we're all on the same team? Mm. Um, just having to kind of re-communicate that to people sometimes, I think is really effective because parents, they want to be the savior. They want to help their, their kiddo, but sometimes it becomes their kid and them versus the people that are trying to help. So just reminding them, Hey, we're all here on the same team. Like what can we do together to reach that goal? Yes. No one goes to work at a children's hospital or a school because they want to like damage children's well being. <laughs> like no one does that. But some people have that like, you know, the, like feeling. you're saying, like the hospital's against me, like no one mm-hmm. believes me and mm-hmm. like all this. And it's like, no really. Like I swear, like we really do just want to help kids. Like we that's it. Yeah. 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 Make them better. Tell us about the canine therapy. We were gonna talk about dogs. Of course. <laughs> of course you want to. So Lauren, we should got- tell you. Go ahead, yes. Let's hear. I just got a puppy. He's so <laughs> sweet. Oh my baby boy! Well, I have to see pictures. I, I will have. I do have them. He's a Morky. He's Maltese and Yorkie mix. He's perfect, except for the potty training part. But you know, right, we're working on right. that. We're working on Everyone's it. Everyone's working on yeah. something. Yeah, and part of it's my fault because I'm not as consistent, and I know it. But okay. But this you is w- dog mom guilt. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. I was like, and should we work on our parenting yes. things here? Exactly. <laughs> but, but I'm telling you the level of anxiety and just I've only had him about two weeks. 
Right. But when we sit and we cuddle on that couch watching TV and I'm just brushing his hair and he's just kind of <laughs> head in but my how lap. how are you feeling with that? Oh, Isn't that the best feeling? Yes, it is. And that I don't is even exactly. want to drink. Yes. <laughs> I mean, really, it is the yes. best feeling. And he's just there. And sometimes I hold him over my shoulder and he's mm-hmm. got his head in my shoulder. And it's just like, oh, my God. You know? <laughs> and that is exactly what Neely and I do, right? So I am the handler for Neely. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, we have six dogs mm-hmm. right for now. The hospital. At, yes. Um, through Sit Stay Play, through our hospital. They're called Facility Dogs. Um, I am the only clinical therapist with a dog, but we have amazing child life specialists. I think we even have a couple of doctors, mm-hmm. recreational therapists. Um, these dogs do amazing work. Yes. Amazing work. Um, so I take Neely in with the consults that I see on the med floor and some of my outpatient sessions. Mm-hmm. She's a snuggle bug. Mm, That's mm, end mm. of the day. I can't tell you how many pictures I have of this huge golden retriever mm-hmm. sitting in my lap and just passed out. <laughs> <laughs> but she loves it. That's what she does. Yeah. You know, she is that calming presence. I mm-hmm. walk into the room. And people instantly are excited to see me. Yeah. Right? Yes. Even while being in the hospital. They're like, oh, I've even seen yes. pictures of the dogs in the bed with the patient. Yes. I mean, just, That's just the goal. sleep and they're just, everybody's just real happy. Right. I mean, it makes my job so easy sometimes because I get Neely up there in the bed and it's just crazy. The amount of trust that you gain mm-hmm. just from having a dog. And they have such level. great temperaments. They it really is do. so incredible. Almost like you could say anything. And they're still going to be there. And ultimately, that's what they do. Yeah. Right? So I've had amazing breakthrough with kids with just having Neely present in the room. It's been so fantastic to see. I love that organization. I love her hard work and everything that we do with it. It's it's been really cool. I will um, tell, well, I and I do know the benefit that she gives to staff. So I know that sometimes you go around and just, mm-hmm. right. um, you know, I don't know. I've heard that uh, maybe Neely likes the PT gym and likes to slide yes, she on does, that indeed. and rubber belly on it. And so, but the PTs also love having her here uh-huh. or having her oh, there. Yeah. They love, yeah. But yeah. it's really helpful because our job is hard. And we talked about that, yeah. Yeah. you know, two weeks ago. And so I think just being able, like for staff, I know how much support that gives just to have those like mm-hmm. love and hugs and mm-hmm. like, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It takes away from the stress that can be mm-hmm. every single day. It really yeah. can. It it's, really can. You should follow them on uh, Instagram. On Instagram, mm-hmm. Sit Stay Play. That's the whole reason why I joined Instagram. So I could check out the dog <laughs> pictures. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Dad and Beyonce. Y'all know me. <laughs> yeah, you're on Beyonce's internet. Okay. That's right. I'm there. There number, we go. Number one fan. Well, Laura, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. And we just really appreciate having your wisdom and your insight. I know it's going to help a lot of kiddos be successful this school year because they're going to have a little bit of help getting their anxiety under control. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you guys so much for joining us today um, on Raising Joy. We are so happy and thankful that you support us. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends. (laughs) And make sure you listen next week. We're excited to have Dr. Casey Call from TCU on the show to talk to us about parents and kids and their connection. So until next time, just breathe. Open up. You you matter. matter.